This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by Artbase. Are you managing an art collection or an artist studio or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, Artbase is the right software to manage your art business. Artbase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data once, and you can use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and so much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com today to learn more. And be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Hope everyone's doing well out there and staying safe. In the art world, we're starting to see galleries reopen across the world. Auction houses are starting to publish their catalogs for the major auctions. Art fairs are still online only, which is the safe and right thing to do right now, especially as we're seeing cases of COVID rise in certain places, such as Beijing. I logged on to Art Basel's website today to browse the fair. It was a little bit sluggish. It wasn't the best experience. I've chatted with a few others who felt the same way. But overall, it's really an exciting time, all things considered. Most museums and foundations are still closed, unfortunately. We wanted to chat with someone from a foundation to talk about how they're responding to COVID. So in this week's episode, we're joined by Astrid Hill, Vice President and Curator of Emerging Artists at the Hill Art Foundation. She's also the founder of Montecule Art Advisory. We chat with Astrid about the history of her family's collection and their motivation to establish a foundation last year in Chelsea in New York City. And also, although the foundation's currently closed due to COVID, she tells us what the foundation has been doing in response to the pandemic. Then we talk a little bit about the extent to which young collectors are helping grow the online art marketplace, especially during this time when galleries are physically closed. So hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. Of course. Happy we were able to make it happen. So first, tell us about the history of your family's collection and really what motivated you to establish the Hill Art Foundation last year in New York. So growing up, I was I was exposed to a lot of amazing art, um, both at home and um, just having exposure to so many New York City museums. But um, actually, at times, I was really embarrassed by the collection at home because, um, for example, when, when I was in middle school, my parents put um, a de Kooning clam digger sculpture right in the middle of um, the front hall. And I was really embarrassed to have friends over because the, the clam digger had an erection. And <laughs> so when I would have friends over, my parents would throw a raincoat over the, the sculpture. Um, and so, so anyways, yeah, my, my parents started collecting, um, in the early nineties with, with Warhol. Um, and they, they really have, um, four major collecting areas, um, Renaissance and Baroque bronzes, old master paintings, um, post-war masters and contemporary and emerging artists. Um, 
And what was really cool growing up was to see how um, they displayed the art um, similar to in the Frick show that we had in 2014, where we showed 33 um, bronzes from my family's collection and they compared um, and they juxtaposed bronzes with um, Renaissance bronzes with um, a Cy Twombly and Ed Ruscha works. And for example, growing up, I would there would be a Warhol next to a Piemontini sculpture. Um, and um, so I never really saw art as siloed in these different periods um, because everything was always exhibited together. Um, and so throughout my life, I've gotten to see the evolution of my parents' collection and watch the collection come together. And it's been um, really special. And in terms of the foundation, um, Adam, I don't know if you've been <clears throat> to the foundation, but it's, um, it's on 24th and 10th Avenue, right where the old Getty gas station was um, above Lehman Maupin Gallery. And um, my dad had been looking for space for the foundation for, for about 10 years and wanted to find a space that was central and not, not a destination space. And um, then he went on the, the board of the High Line and saw how important the High Line was to the community and decided he really wanted the foundation to be on the High Line. Um, and one night my parents were having dinner with Peter Marino, the architect, and he pulled out plans for the, for the Getty building, um, where Lehman Maupin was going to be on the ground floor. And, um, it was, it was an extreme, it was extremely lucky that Peter Marino was, um, designing the building really in the heart of Chelsea next to so many galleries and on the High Line. Um, and so we were able to get the third and the fourth floor of um, the Getty and um, people walking, walking on the High Line can see into the space and over 8 million people walk the High Line um, per year. So that's, so it's pretty cool. And the, um, the foundation allows really my family and me to experiment with the collection and to take risks. Um, such as the Frick show that I mentioned. Um, and the, the theme of the foundation is really to give um, artists a voice and to show their work <clears throat> in, in a new context. And it allows us to bring um, work forward to the public that normally would be in a private home or in storage and um, to really show it to um, the public. So. Yeah, I've been to the foundation a few times. I've I've always enjoyed it. I really love the location, Chelsea. It's so convenient. Whenever you have a new show, I make I make the foundation a stop on my gallery visit to Chelsea. And it's interesting. I think foundations maybe have more flexibility than say a museum. You can do one kind of exhibition and then follow it up with one that's completely different. What ex exhibitions have you had at the foundation so far? So, we've had three exhibitions since the opening in 2019. And all three exhibitions focused on um, giving the artist a voice. And in all three shows, the, the artist was um, curator and very involved in the installation. 
for example, the first show, um, you probably you probably saw the Christopher Wool show, mm-hmm. but we wanted to give him free range to use works from from the collection, but also works from his personal collection that hadn't before been seen by the public. And um, he he worked closely with um, Catherine Brinson from the Guggenheim on choosing which works to put in the exhibition. And um, he really wanted to include two series of his photographs, um, Road and Yard, which are series um, of photographs that he's taken in Marfa, where he spends a lot of time. They, yeah, they had never before been seen by the public. And he felt that in the Guggenheim show, there hadn't been enough of an emphasis on his photographs. For example, he, he, didn't, he didn't want um, there to be word paintings in the show um, because he really wanted to emphasize works that he was currently working on. The photographs are from 2018 and he had literally just finished them. And so it made it really personal for Christopher. Then the second show we did um, was Charles Ray. Um, my dad visited Ray's studio in Santa Monica in 2018 and together they went through the catalog from our 2014 um, exhibition Renaissance and Baroque Bronzes from the Hill Collection. He, Charlie spoke about the influence of bronzes on his work. And um, a year later, my, my father asked him to, to curate an exhibition of his work juxtaposed with um, Renaissance bronzes. Um, it was really cool to have Charlie there installing the show. For example, he, he was very, he really wanted the show to be minimalist and he wanted the works to breathe and he took that very seriously and wanted the um for example wanted the um Algardi crucifixion higher than you would have thought um and it was just it was really interesting to have him there installing and our third and current exhibition is um Min Jung Kim a um, Korean, she's a very a close family friend, and she's a Korean artist working um, that works in the south of France in, um, and works in ink on traditional hanji paper. Um, this was her first career survey, um, and her work is very meditative. We have several loans from the Samsung Museum, Museum and other private collections, and um, the show is actually going to be up through December. Yeah, I can't wait to, sh- to introduce her work to a New York audience when the show um, reopens, hopefully this fall. That's really great that the shows are so collaborative with the artists. I wanted to ask, with COVID and galleries, museums, foundations all being closed the past few months, how has the foundation responded? And really, what kind of things is the foundation actually doing during this time while you've been closed? Um, so the foundation closed on March 13th and it's been closed like all other, um, cultural institutions and neighboring galleries. Um, and since it's been closed, we've actually completed our teen curators program over zoom and the teen curators, um, is a program that launched in March of 2019. And it's a program for juniors and seniors in high school and introduces teens to different career paths in the arts. Um, We have a teaching artist that meets with the students weekly, and um, we we bring in a variety of artists and curators to speak with them. For example, 
Richard Armstrong has come to speak, Charles Ray, um, Min Jung Kim. And for their final presentation this spring, um, the teens curated a digital exhibition of the collection where they each chose two works um, and studied the artists, the artists that they had chosen and then wrote a wall text and an introduction. Um, one, one particularly striking um, juxtaposition was one student who chose Fontana's um, crucifixion and Warhol's um, closed cover before striking matchbox and talked about the religious nature behind both. Um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing what can be pulled together over Zoom. Um, and we also, we, we talked a lot about, we had a lot of debate about how we could help um, people in the art community during this time um, that had been, because so many of them had been furloughed. Um, and so the foundation also launched Teen Talks, um, which is, supports artists and educators who have lost their jobs because of COVID. Um, and they, they receive a $500 stipend to lead a 45-minute masterclass over Zoom, followed by a 15-minute Q&A. And we've had really cool talks on um, Andy Warhol, Simone Lee, Hilma Afklimt, um, and even on prehistoric art. And the talks go through August 12th. Um, and are for teen, were originally um, created for teens, but adults have, have come onto the Zoom and um, it's really for teens and beyond. And you should visit hill, hillartfoundation.org to register. Wow, all the work you're doing, especially for the art community, it's really incredible. It's amazing. So New York City, we're in phase one, it's slowly reopening. How's the foundation approaching potentially reopening? Do you have a timeline in mind? And, and really, do you think public spaces such as the foundation may have to actually change some of its rules or processes until there's a vaccine or potentially even afterwards? Um, well, the, so the foundation is closely monitoring what other museums and galleries are doing. Um, we'll most likely reopen this fall. Um, so we'll have... Um, safety precautions in place, and um, as I said, we'll we'll keep up the Min Jung Kim show through the end of December 2020. Um, and I think there will be changes. I think I think um, a lot of galleries um, and foundations might be by appointment only, um, and it's um, it'll be interesting. It's I think it's interesting because. A lot of local institutions um, like um, museums, I'm a, a chair, a co-chair of the Apollo Circle at the Met and also on the Independent Director Circle at the Guggenheim. And because tourism is down so much um, that from, from a young patron perspective, they're really, they're really going to be tackling um, the issue of trying to get um, local audiences up, and I, I find that's really interesting. So to go into a little bit of a different direction for a moment, Astrid, you were recently on a panel with Anders Peterson, the founder of Art Tactic, of course a regular guest on the podcast, and you were discussing young collectors and really how they're driving the online art marketplace. And you were speaking on behalf of your business, Monticool Art Advisory. 
tell us from your perspective, to, to what extent are young collectors growing the online space? And what do you think are some of the most crucial ways they're actually doing that? Well, a hand, so a handful of my clients are millennials and they're really digitally native and have been very comfortable with the switch over to digital in the past three months. Um, and just look at the success of online viewing rooms and, and the online art fairs. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how the auction houses do um, for their summer auctions. And for example, I helped one of my clients recently um, buy a Bryce Martin painting at an online auction um, without, and he, he hadn't seen the work in person. Um, and um, a lot of my clients have, been, have recently been buying art without seeing it, without seeing it in person, especially the younger ones. And um, online, online viewing rooms have really helped with this. Um, but many of my clients are, are really comfortable with, with Instagram and I DM with them about art, different artists' discoveries and shows that I see online and encourage them to use Instagram as a tool to follow other galleries and artists. And, um, the, I think the pandemic has, has really proven, um, that, as much travel as was going on in the art world is, is really unnecessary. Um, and that now I think there will be a renewed focus on the artist and their work and less of a focus on the social side of art, which I think had been getting a little bit out of hand. Um, and I think it'll really give artists a chance to shine. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And um, I think collectors will take more time to look at to look at and learn about um, the artists and the artwork at hand rather than just buying what's hot and of the moment. Um, but how how have things changed for your clients? Do you do you advise millennials as well? Yeah, I have a wide range of clients, but certainly some fit in that millennial age group. I think what we've seen during this pandemic is the extent to which Instagram and even the online platforms or art fairs and galleries, even though they aren't too technologically sophisticated, they're really allowing the art world to continue forward during this time when physical spaces are closed. And I think a lot of that was really younger collectors who were most comfortable initially with these technologies. And now people of all ages in the art world they're on social media like instagram so i think everyone's really embracing the online marketplace and i think if it weren't for that we'd be in a lot of trouble shows wouldn't be happening virtually sales wouldn't be happening at nearly the level we're seeing so i think it's technology as well as i always go back to this the relationships we've built over the years that have enabled us to really push forward during this time when you know other industries have been stuck in many ways and at the same time, you know, before we started recording, we were chatting about just how there really is this feeling permeating in the art world. People actually miss seeing artworks in person. It's pretty refreshing and encouraging to hear people express that viewpoint. I hadn't heard in a long time from this many people. And you kind of forget how great it is to see art in person when you can consume so much of it so quickly on your phone or computer. Um, but you really do miss something when you don't see it in the flesh, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that there's, um, a part of my clients that miss seeing things in person, but they're, they're also pretty comfortable, um, at a certain price point, um, buying things, um, 
online without seeing them in person. So, Yeah, I agree with you. So tell me, how has your work as an advisor influenced your family's collection? So I've introduced them to a wide range of younger artists um, and really helped them to learn more about emerging artists. Many of them um, have been female. And um, I look forward to exhibiting these exhibiting these um, emerging artists at the foundation and to using the foundation as um, a platform to bring these new artists' um, voices to the front. That sounds like a great opportunity for those artists. And finally, what can you share with us about future plans and upcoming exhibitions at the foundation? Um, so the one thing about the foundation is that it has incredible flexibility and um, we have a long, we have a long list of dream exhibitions that we haven't yet announced, but um, what we haven't yet announced what the next show will be, but um, there's a, a bunch of shows that are, that we're excited about. And, and really given the small and nimble team of the foundation, we can put exhibitions together really quickly. Um, and, for example, I'm eager to put on a show about emerging artists, and um, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see what the next show is. We'll have Minjung Kim up through um, December, so we have some time to figure it out. Astrid, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us about the Hill Art Foundation. The work you're doing with it's really interesting, and it's great to hear how you've responded during the COVID pandemic. For our listeners who want to learn more about the foundation and the advisory, what's what are the websites? Um, well, well, first I, I look forward to welcoming you and um, your listeners to the foundation. Um, the foundation's website is hillartfoundation.org, and um, my art advisory website is MonteculeArtAdvisory.com. And yeah, hopefully by the fall, we can welcome you in person to the foundation. That would be great. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much again, Astrid. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase lets you track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data just once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to ArtBase.com, that's A-R-T-B-A-S-E.com to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.